Welcome everyone to episode 176 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Liam Tower and Chris Coughlin as we reflect on Liverpool's Europa League group stage campaign and preview Sunday's game against Manchester United. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool sign off for the Europa League group stages with a defeat, obviously one that doesn't matter whatsoever in the context of the group. They'd already sealed top spot in this group before Thursday's game. Uh, Mohamed Amora opened the scoring for USG in the 32nd minute. Jarrell Kwanzaa then got his first goal in a Liverpool shirt soon after, but in what was the... 11-minute spell with three goals. Union SG got what proved to be the winner through Cameron Puertas. And that was it for Liverpool in a game that will not be, you wouldn't even say remembered fondly, just say remembered full stop. So we're not going to dwell too much on it in today's episode. Um, All we're going to do is get some brief reflections from Liam and from Chris. And then we'll talk a little bit about sort of how the Europa League group stage has gone overall for Liverpool before we move on to Man United, as I said in the intro. So I'll start with you, Liam. I mean, before we get into just the Europa League group as a whole, what were your thoughts on that game? I mean, is there anything you can take from it in terms of positives or is it one of those where you just write it off and move on? Um, So the biggest positive, and I think everyone was was saying this, that we've come through it with... It seems like no injuries because there, there had been a few like recognisable first team players involved tonight, and they all seem to have come through it. So I think that was about as much as any Liverpool fan could ask for from the game. Um, and obviously we saw like a good few of the younger lads like Conor Bradley, Luke Chambers, Ben Doak, Kate Gordon playing tonight. Um, at times, look, it did you could see that they maybe found it going a bit tough up against like an established. Very good Union SG side who you know, have your have a bit of European experience now and have shown across the two games against us that they can sort of that they can play a bit and that they, they belong at this level. The I think the experience those young lads would have taken from playing in a match like tonight's against a good Union SG side who had to go for it because of course their own qualification was on the line. They will learn a lot from tonight's game, like far more than what would have been two months worth of under-21 matches or EFL trophy games like without being disingenuous or disrespectful to the clubs involved in those. Um, so I think, yeah, like, obviously it would have been nice to round it off for the win, but let's face it, if I think if there's one match this season where we're not really bothered about the results, it's this one. Um, came through with no injuries, young has got David experience, that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, and obviously you never want to lose, but equally, you know, how many of the players who actually featured in that game, certainly who finished it, are going to start um, against Manchester United at the weekend. I mean, we saw probably one moment of quality from Liverpool in the attacking half the whole match, uh, and that was the the goal from, from Kwanzaa. Aside from that, it was um, pretty dour sort of going forward. Um, but I wouldn't be critical of any of the sort of more experienced or, or youthful players in the sense that, Obviously, there was not a riding on the game, first of all, but also, you know, when you make so many changes to a team, you're, you're going to get a disjointed performance. And while that was a an especially bad one, I suppose, again, you know, it's hard to maybe motivate yourself for a fixture like that, really. So I, I don't think we need to be uh, particularly concerned about it. I mean, Chris, what was your sort of main takeaway from, from that? 
I'd say a lot of it was minutes, of course. Um, like so, Connor Bradley, Kate Gordon, Chambers, and Doak, you know, getting that experience of European football um, in a testing atmosphere as well. Um, it always is in pretty much any European away game. I think when you say about the start or the who's likely to start against United, that finished the game. I think you've got to say Nunez, possibly slash probably. Um, I think um, I think a lot watching that game will have been relieved that Sabozlai and Diaz didn't end up coming on. Uh, I think they were somewhat token appearances on the bench and ultimately come out with no injuries. Um, I think if I was going to be picky and maybe point out a negative, of course, there's been a lot of reaction on social media to Kelleher's performance. Um, maybe to say at fault for the first goal is somewhat harsh given that um, again, were the were the lines done properly and stuff? But again, I I thought it looked just about onside. People think offside, um, and then the the second goal, of course, gets beaten as near post. So, if you were to maybe point the finger at anybody, it might be Kelleher. But with Allison back, look, we we saw at the weekend what what Allison does week in week out, on why he is the best goalkeeper in the world, and you know, we've said that the reason you're a backup is because you're good, but you're not as good. So we already knew that about Quivin Callahan. I still do think he's a good goalkeeper. Um, and yeah, other than that, as you quite rightly say, it's not a game anyone will look back on in a few years and be devastated by. It was a game that was important for experience, important for legs, and just important to get through and, and focus on Manchester United on Sunday now. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to revisit your point about Keller in a second. I'll get Liam's take on that because obviously he's been heavily involved in the Europa League group stages as a whole. Um, I'll come back to you first, then Chris, and then I'll get Liam's verdict on on Keller. What have you made of of how it's gone? Obviously, we've seen it. I think mid September it started now, so you know, a couple of months, six games, a lot of changes, um, four wins, two defeats. How have you found it? It's been unusual to obviously be in this composition at this time of year after so many consecutive seasons in the Champions League. It has. Ultimately, today, you, know, you don't want to be insulting to um, Royal Union SG. They definitely deserve the victory. Um, it's probably the game that, again, as I've said, you don't really analyse as much. The one strange one for me was to lose away, given that it was still in the middle of the group. And I thought... Overall, I thought the game would be taken a bit more seriously than it was. Um, I think the Anfield games have shown that certainly at home, Liverpool will be ominous against anybody in this competition. Um, I don't know whether you were going to say about other our thoughts on other teams in the competition, but I'll just throw out now. I think it's quite clear now that we know the Champions League teams that are dropping down and now that we know the teams that are already through in the Europa League, I think that it's quite clear that Bayer Leverkusen are going to be Liverpool's biggest competition in this tournament. Of course, draws work out. Liverpool could get drawn against Bayer Leverkusen in the quarterfinals, and all of a sudden you're saying that could have been a final, but it's being played over two legs. Um, for me, Xabi Alonso's team are going to be Liverpool's biggest competition, and I think if Liverpool came up against them, I think we'd see a lot more focus from Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I suppose the big question with Kelleher, and again, I don't know whether this is the question we're going to throw out, is 
would you start him in the final if he is seen as the Europa League goalkeeper? And it is a tough one because I think Liverpool are going to finish in the top four anyway. So, as a minimum. So, I, don't, I wouldn't say that puts any less importance on if Liverpool got to the final because ultimately it would be a trophy. But I think I think Kelleher would start the final. I would probably start Allison, but again, I'm not Jurgen Klopp. So, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Of course, Liverpool are just through to the round 16, but they don't have to think about it now until March. And I think that would be really important in terms of at least skipping a phase and having a somewhat calmer February. Yeah, I think um, loads of good points there. I'll revisit the thing about kind Thank of you. the makeup of the knockout stages in a second. Um, just in terms of my quick takes on it, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really enjoyed it all that much. I think the game, home game against Lask 4-0 and home game against Toulouse, they were sort of, they, they were what you wanted from the competition, you know, making changes, um, but still seeing high performance levels, seeing, you know, big victories. Um, and, and that was kind of, the positive outlook that some people had, including myself coming into the group stage, kind of realising those games. The rest of them were a bit of a slog, even though Liverpool obviously won at last. They won at home to Uni and SG as well. Um, you know, it was just a little bit a little bit dull, to be honest. Um, you're going to get that when you've got heavily rotated sides and a big golf in class and there's no rhythm in the game, there's no pace, intensity, things like that. Um, but it has kind of probably hammered home a little bit why we sort of, I mean, like last year, for example, why we were so invested in the top four race is because as a spectacle and as a fan, it's just so much more, you just get so much more investment out of playing Champions League football compared to Europa League. It's easy to feel a little bit detached from, from these games. Um, but it's it's done and dusted now. And obviously the job, you know, the real job and, and the tougher games um, come as, as the knockout stages progress. And hopefully Liverpool can rattle through um, those rounds um, and, and they deserve to be in this competition this year. There's no question about that, obviously. Um, the players who featured most heavily, um, you know, we've seen a lot of minutes for sort of Graven Birch, Endo, um, and Elliot in midfield. That's been sort of the most common midfield combination. Quite a lot of rotation in the front line, obviously. Um, chances for young players like Kwanzaa and Doak. Quite a few featured tonight, too, with the opportunity to rotate. But five out of six games, Liam for Keller in goal, obviously. Um, four of the last five matches, two in all competitions with Allison's injury. Where do you think he stands now compared to how he did at the start of the season? Um, I think he generally did a solid job in the few games where he had to cover for Allison during the injury spell. Um, like the Fulham match was, again, probably not his, not his best day. As Chris rightly says, today probably wasn't his best game either. But um, I think overall, any time I've seen him in, like in Europe this season, um, I think he's generally been solid. I think he did a good job filling in for the few games that when Asen had to come in. Um, I think there are, I know there are some like maybe have taken a cynical view that when he gets the chances this season, he's always like trying to play for a move next year because, of course, it has been discussed quite a lot over the last couple of summers. Like, will he, now if he's 25 now, will he sort of move on and say, I want to go somewhere where I am the top dog. Uh, I'm not Joe Young at a 20 coming out of the academy anymore um, because he's, he's probably looking at it in terms of his, his international place as well because he has been 
number two to Gavin Bazzuno at Southampton in for the Irish national team and like Keller will probably be vying to say he wants that number one shirt you know, undisputedly and for as long as he's playing second fiddle to Addison, in fairness any goalkeeper in the world will play second fiddle to, to Addison at Anfield, then um you know, like perhaps there is that sense of like putting himself in the shop window anytime he does get his opportunity with Liverpool. Um I would be I would be sad to lose him if he does go. Um because I think he has been quite solid quite solid overall when he has played um and he is without question the best or like goalkeeper we have outside of Addison. Um but at the same time I I understand that if Doris probably wasn't going to be his last his last season with us and I definitely wouldn't begrudge him a move if he were to go. Um yeah, I I've been quite happy with him overall to be fair. Yeah, I think, you know, Chris and I discussed Keller and his sort of standing after um the game against Fulham and we we both sort of defended him. I think tonight was was a tough night for him. Again, um it's been a mixed bag while he's been in the team. I think the one thing I'd say in terms of the past few weeks is that it kind of feels like when he had this chance to sort of raise his stock, not just obviously at Liverpool, but more importantly, within the game as a whole, it kind of feels like it's fallen a little bit. I think a lot of people who thought that he would start for a lot of Premier League teams are beginning to question that opinion a little bit. And again, I don't know if it is just bad form or whether he wasn't necessarily, you know, he seemed better in previous games than he actually was or, or things like that. But I think my sort of view of him has suffered a little bit. Not not hugely, but I, I expected a little bit more. I think obviously there's been a couple of clean sheets in there, some good saves, but also maybe too too many errors. Um, and on your point about sort of Bazuno, I thought last season he was obviously a young player, but clearly the poorest goalkeeper in the Premier League. And I, I sort of thought to myself, you know, what's what's Stephen Kenny doing starting, you know, Bazuno ahead of him? Um, I suppose now, if obviously Kenny's not in the job anymore, but if the next island manager has the same sort of opinion, then you know. It's a bit more defensible now, I suppose, if uh, Keller has struggled as he has. But anyway, that's sort of um, a little bit beside the point. Um, just to make one last point on, on the Europa before we go on to uh, United. Chris, obviously the Champions League group stage is also concluded this week. Um, the teams dropping down into the playoff round and potentially the Europa League last 16 are Galatasaray, Lons, Braga, Benfica, Feyenoord, AC Milan, Young Boys and Shakhtar. From a Liverpool perspective, and obviously you can't afford to be complacent, of course, you're pretty happy with that list, aren't you? I think you have to say so. I think the big concern at one point earlier in the week was feeling that Newcastle or PSG would drop into the Europa League, which would have been pretty crazy, especially if it was Paris Saint-Germain, which looked quite likely at one point, really. Um, and I know we're going, to, we're going to go on to talk about Manchester United, but I don't think anyone of a Liverpool persuasion particularly wanted them to drop into the Europa League because football's a funny game. And I think I looked at the Champions League group stage at the start of the campaign. And again, without throwing any shade or being disrespectful to any, team, any teams in there, because you, ultimately you deserve to be in the Champions League if you qualify. I just thought the standard was so much poorer than a lot of seasons gone by, certainly recently. And like pot four, 
was just unrecognisable compared to recent seasons in terms of the quality within it. Um, and I, I just, I was very amused at the fact that Liverpool hadn't managed to qualify just because you looked at the quality in there and thought Liverpool are better than a lot of teams in this competition. But ultimately, um, I think I said the other week that Joe Cole said Liverpool didn't deserve to be in the Europa League, but he's wrong because they did deserve to be in the Europa League because they finished fifth in the league and that's how things work. Um, so I think, yeah, there isn't a team that particularly worries anyone, I don't think, that's dropped down from the Champions League. But again, I feel like Liverpool got ahead of themselves in Toulouse and they got burned. So that's something that when the competition resumes, it's something that they can ill afford to do. And you've got to take teams very, very seriously, certainly in European football. Yeah, because as we've seen with uh, Spurs going out to Dynamo Zagreb, Arsenal to Olympiacos and Sporting, United to Sevilla last season, I think it was, you know, if you take your eye off the ball in this competition, even though you are sort of heavy favourites and you've got better, more expensive squads, you are going to get punished. So it would take an upset to stop Liverpool from getting to the final by the looks of it. But equally, they will be susceptible to that if they don't take the competition seriously enough. So let's talk about the game against Manchester United on Sunday. Always one of the biggest matches in any season, regardless of how the two teams are faring. Liam, there's a lot of feeling within pockets of the Liverpool fan base, within pockets of the Man United fan base and sort of the neutrals as well, that Liverpool are going to run out heavy victors in this game, given obviously the disarray that's going on at United and how well Liverpool are doing in the league. But there's also been some fans that I've seen on Twitter sort of pushing back against that and saying we've got to be very careful about getting complacent here. You know, United still have a lot of good players and matches like this can be inherently a little bit awkward regardless of form. What are your feelings on that? I'll tell you right now, Les, I fall into the second category of those two that you mentioned. Um, I've been at pains to tell people during the week, both Liverpool and the United fans, that if they think this is going to be like a, a repeat, a, a for like a repeat of the seven 0 we had a few months ago, um, they can think again. I expect Liverpool to win if we play to our best, because quality wise we are better than Manu. The, the league table shows that anybody who's watched the two teams regularly over the course of the season will we'll see that. Um, but it must be remembered that. Even though, even though we have won a few like our last few matches in in the Premier League, they have been. Sheffield United was okay. It was it wasn't too bad. We got the job done. Fair enough. Got clean sheet in that. But the Fulham and Crystal Palace games, my goodness, we were there for the taking. We got out of jail in the two of those. Um, like when Palace scored the other day, I thought, "Oh, this is it. This is yeah. This our luck's going to run out today." It didn't. Thankfully, it didn't. But again, it wasn't the type of performance which made like people are saying, "Oh, this, this, you know, that's the type of performance of which potential champions are made of." I was looking at it saying, "Well, oh, lads, we've been doing this a little bit too often now, um, and that performance is not going to scare Man United." Um, and the other thing I would point out is, you go back a few years, maybe about like turn of the decade or so, um when the roles were reversed, like Man United were a team at the top of the table, we were probably you know, maybe sixth or seventh, um, 
and we had a habit of turning them over in games, even though we were showing no form at all coming into our matches against Man United. I mean, you think of Dirk Hyde's hat-trick at Anfield, that, like how far behind we were at that time. Even the, the game the, the season before that, when David and God got to go at the end when we won 2-0. Um, you know, we've seen it happen before where like, we've been so, so far behind them, yet we turn up and beat them. So I am fearful that now that the, the roles are reversed, that this is probably one of the few games by United have where it's not quite a free string for them, but you know, they, you know, they, they'd be kind of thinking, okay, let's be expecting or just expecting you know, another part, like, party at Anfield like, for, for that lot. Let's go and prove a point. And they've heard United themselves, like, I mean, they I didn't, they did it all right. You know, like before Bayern scored, like I always think when the Bayern got the goal, the wind was taken out of their sails and they've really recovered. Um, and against Chelsea, like say what you want about Chelsea, but that was probably the best thing I played all season. And like guys, like watched, like when I saw back a bit of that game afterwards, and you know, from talking to other people who watched it, I was like, okay, this they can actually turn it on when they want to. So, like I still expect Liverpool to win, but. I think anyone who expects it to be a carnival, um, like a nice little pre-Christmas day out, um, could be in for a rude awakening. And I certainly hope that the that the players don't have that mindset. Um, I don't think Jurgen Klopp will allow them to have that mindset. I think for assuming the task, our quality should shine through. But this could be one where we are appearing very nervously behind the couch, praying for not too much stoppage time. The thing is, is this not exactly the same scenario as the start of last season when United had just lost 4-0 at Brentford? Thank you, Chris. Exactly. Everybody said Liverpool were going to go to Old Trafford and score five again. And at no point in the build-up to that game did I agree with that narrative whatsoever. It was so clear, I think, quite early on in the week, Maguire was going to get dropped. I know Maguire looks like he's going to be injured now, but what I mean is the essence of the game Everybody thought Liverpool were going to go to Old Trafford and steamroller Manchester United. And I never bought into that because of a lot of the, you know, the mentality, because of a lot of things that Liam said. It's that thought process that it's such a big game, you don't ever want to think like that. And obviously transpired Liverpool lost at Old Trafford and deservedly lost at Old Trafford. And again, They've come into this game off the back of a heavy defeat against another team, beginning with B. And Bournemouth definitely deserved to win at Old Trafford last week. They were magnificent. They scored three, could have scored six, and it wouldn't have flattered them. But this is exactly the same scenario as the start of last season. And I think it'll show mentality that Liverpool have, where they know they know their favourites. I, I think if you said a footballer who's your favourite, or who's favourite, they wouldn't say it in an interview, but you know it deep down that you're the favourite. But it's approaching that and making sure that you're justifiably favourites. I mean, here's what I think. I think Liam touched on it as well. If Liverpool play well in this game, I think I think they'll kill Man United. Like I think I think they will win comfortably if they play. I don't think Man United have the stomach or the on-field sort of talent to live with that. But if Liverpool stroll into this game having taken the outside noise on board and expect and expect to win comfortably and expect not to face 
much resistance or anything like that, then that is obviously a trap that they have to deal with. And this is a game that, given how poor United have been, I feel like Liverpool sort of have to win it, to be honest. Especially, you know, facing Arsenal before Christmas. And the attitude of this team this season has been largely brilliant. There's games like Toulouse where I think it's faltered a bit. But you can see with the amount of points they've won from losing positions, that sort of their character is kind of broadly where it needs to be. But I think another test of that is, you know, in these Premier League games last season, it felt like too many occasions they kind of walked onto the pitch and they just thought, you know, oh, we're better. We're better than these. We'll, we'll come away with the three points. But the other team ended up kind of wanting it more. And I know it's a cliche, but that's how it looked. Is that something that they can kind of reverse? So I'm kind of torn on it because I do think that if Liverpool come out strong, it's going to be too much for Man United. I think they'll be overwhelmed. But also, you're always wary when you hear so much confidence. And I don't think Man United as a team are the kind of are in a position at the moment to have that kind of siege mentality. My bigger worry is sort of Liverpool um, being overconfident and arrogant going into the game. Um, but before we talk about Liverpool's lineup and who Klopp should select, I was I just wanted to get your perspective on on United because obviously Liverpool's biggest rivals this season um, is proven to be up there with one of the worst they've had since Ferguson left. For, from your perspective. Liam, why is it that it's gone so long for them up to this point? Um, I would. It's a point I've heard a few Man United fans making is there are certain individuals within that squad who have been there under Ragnick, Solskjaer, and Mourinho, and. They say had in the first season of each of those, the first season of Mourinho, first and a season a few months of Solskjaer, they, you know, they were rejuvenated, you know, they were playing with, uh, a, like a freedom as or a confidence, and they were getting good results. And maybe then about second second year or so, suddenly they kind of decided ah, you know, they, they they couldn't like they they knew what the manager was getting in the neck and it always kind of felt as if there was an element of downing tools amongst them. Like you remember that that game against Anfield, Mourinho's last game before he got sacked. Like we played Man United off, we completely obliterated him that day, um, and like they just did not like they just didn't want to know about it. I'm seeing elements of that again. In not every game, but definitely some games, like the like against Bournemouth. Um, even if they went to go down in five minutes, here and you're thinking, okay, five minutes, we've seen Man United do this so many times before, even a few times this season, they'll, you know, like they'll wake up and they'll come back and win. And it just never happened. And like there are still some of those players that you look at and you just don't trust them. Um, like Ten Hag hasn't been perfect, you know, he I suppose has made a few cures, like tactical decisions, extra decisions, whatever. But I think a lot of it and I think yes, the ownership situation is far from ideal. And it's something ungrateful we for all that we've complained might have complained about FSG in the past. And he's for not that lot. And he's not dealing with what they're having to deal with. Um but at the same time, I think a lot of it comes down to just certain individuals on the pitch that 
fancy it fancy it one week, don't fancy it the next. Um like there's games against Chelsea and Bournemouth that are that in microcosm. Play Chelsea off the park by all accounts, um but the other one is Bournemouth and decided, nah, it's raining, don't fancy it. So yeah, maybe hopefully it won't be raining Sunday and they don't fancy it again. Chris, what's your perspective on, on United's sort of woes this season? Well, the first thing I was going to say is playing Chelsea off the park isn't quite the achievement that it once was. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's really interesting. Even players like Marcus Rashford, who last year, after Christmas, was nothing short of phenomenal. Week in, week out, just absolutely brilliant. Um, for one reason or another, he just has not got started this season. Really good goal against Arsenal at the Emirates in August. And I thought, right, this is Rashford now. He's going to crack on. He's going to push on. But again, just not really seen anything from him. Um, the, the big factor as well, uh, we've got to mention Bruno Fernandes is suspended for this game. It's been talked about, of course. I think we've all seen um, Steve Hall give his opinions about whether um, it was meant or not in terms of the booking. What I will say, and I'm not going to delve into whether I think it was intentional or not from Bruno Fernandes, but if you know, if you're the captain of Manchester United and you know you're on four yellow cards and you know the game that you're playing in is gone, and you also know you're up against Liverpool at Anfield the week after. And you get booked for dissent. That that just encapsulates so much that is wrong with certain parts of Manchester United for me. It's the discipline. It's the control. It's the respect. Manchester United's captain should not be suspended on his, by his own fault for a game at Anfield. It's just, it, it's it's awful. I really do think it's awful. And you know, it, it's whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for Liverpool, I think people have varying opinions on that given his own form this season, Bruno Fernandes. But as you know, that just encapsulates for me what's wrong in that the, the so, you know, the captain, I know Roy Keane would take it off him in a heartbeat. And again, you know, how many great captains have we seen at United? And I, do, I just don't think Fernandes holds a candle to them. I really don't. Then all over the pitch, you look at potentially Johnny Evans could start for Manchester United in 2023 at Anfield. That that's just crazy. I mean, again, the fullback situation. Wan Bissaka was really promising at Crystal Palace. Hasn't really pushed on at United. Dallow as well. But as you mentioned, Liam, you're talking about players that have been there for quite a long time and haven't haven't been moved on, haven't been progressed, haven't improved. Um, and even like off the pitch as well, Jane Sancho, sensational for Borussia Dortmund, scored against Liverpool last season at Old Trafford. And I think a lot of people, including myself, thought that was going to be the, the moment that he really kicked on with his career. And just hasn't worked. He's had a falling, very public falling out with Ten Hag. He could well leave. I think, you know, we haven't even got around to mentioning the manager yet. How close do we think he is to losing his job? Like, this could be a massive game for him as well. He won't want to lose a job. So there are so many undertones. But I'm not sure I've even answered what I think's wrong with United this season. I just think there's a lot of things on and off the pitch at Old Trafford that are just 
not right in any way, shape or form. But in the same way, that makes me think Liverpool can't afford to take this game lightly whatsoever because we've seen this narrative before and it's not gone well. And Liverpool know how important this game is for their own aspirations and, again, just the fact that it's Manchester United. Um, so Liverpool has to take advantage of what I think is a pretty toxic club at the moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of your answer there, Chris, you sort of said, have you sort of touched on the nub of the issue? I don't think there is one. I think it's a comprehensive... I'm not sure I even did. Yeah, it's a comprehensive um, issue with every single department in that club. It's a dissertation. Essentially, yeah. Um, Like, so if we look at the manager first, first of all, I don't think they should sack him because I don't think... I don't necessarily see a better manager out there for them at the moment. Um, what so I would they, say they as well is... about Potter, didn't they? But I've seen yeah, so many... Yeah, again, like, like I thought he was outstanding at Brighton, one of yeah. the best managers in the league at that period. But you can't... I think if you're United, you can't take the risk of hiring him straight after. Like you need him to rebuild another another club before um, you take him now. Um, so I don't think they should sack him. Like if they sacked him, I'd be sort of from the Liverpool fan perspective, I'd be happy that they'd made what I think was maybe a little bit of a mistake. Um, having said that, I think they're a complete mess on the pitch this season, so I think they would be sort of justified in doing it on that basis. One example of that is I remember the games against Newcastle and Galatasaray. I think I think they were back to back, and I watched both of them. And one thing that struck you was they were trying to play out from the back in both games, and the amount of times they were losing the ball was unbelievable. Liverpool have had some issues with that this year, but this is on a complete different scale. And that's either the manager trying to persist with a system that is kind of ill-suited to the group of players he has available, and injuries have been a a big part of United's issues as well this season, in fairness. Or it's basically he has that vision, he can't implement it in terms of the positions of certain players and things like that, and just the patterns when playing out from the back. And that just shows you how poorly coached they are at the moment. I still think that it would be a little bit hasty to sack him, which might sound a bit um, strange given, obviously, how much they're struggling at the moment. But I do think he he still bears a lot of the blame for what's going on at the moment. Um, There is also merit to the argument that this is now a lot of managers who have been in pretty much the same cycle. Um, And that obviously leads into the ownership discussion. I always say the same thing on this. I think no Man United manager can really complain about the amount of resources they get. It's more the fact that there's no solid structure in front of them, above them, I should say, with kind of proven individuals, as someone like a Michael Edwards or a Julian Ward, to kind of offer direction in that department. That's the biggest issue with the Glazers for me. And then, obviously, there's the players who I think um, it's unacceptable from them in terms of the attitude and the mistakes that they're making. And when you have the manager, the players and the owners all failing to do sort of basics and fundamentals of their job, this is what you're going to get basically. Um, And I think obviously that is why United are trapped in a cycle. And we see now that there's going to be a bit of investment from obviously Jim Ratcliffe. He's going to take over the sporting operations. It remains to be how much of a difference that's going to make. And I do think that might play a part as well in terms of 
I think a lot of people expect Eric Ten Hag to be sacked if United lose this game heavily. I don't think he will be because Ratcliffe hasn't got that deal through yet. And I think if you're him, you're saying, I mean, maybe he's got strong opinions and he wants Ten Hag gone anyway. But I think from just sort of that business perspective, you think, well, hang on, this really important sort of shareholder thing needs to happen. We don't really want to make a huge operational change in that period while that limbo is going on. So we'll, we'll see that. I mean, I might be completely wrong on that, but that's just my reading of it from the outside. Um, right, let's wrap this up then by getting some Liverpool lineups. Um, Liam, what would your 11 be uh, for that one? Okay, so Anderson and Gordon, obviously, <clears throat> at the back, I would, well, I say Trent right back, but we obviously we know what, you know what his role is in the team now, but just for the sake of simplicity, right back, um, Van Dijk and I'd probably say Gomez centre-back. Um, didn't feel like Canate had a particularly strong game tonight. Um, I feel like Gomez has always been a bit more composed recently. Um, and Simicas left-back. Midfield, um, yeah, it looks like McAllister is not going to be available. So I think he'll stick with Endo, despite his poor game in Belgium this evening. Um, I feel like he'd be trusted the most in terms of just that anchor in midfield um, Gravenbrush and Zalazai then with him as well and front three Salah, Nunes, Diaz like Gakpo just didn't take his chance at all tonight and Nunes I know he could be frustrating at times but I think if he's in the mood he could tear that defence a new one Um. Same question to you, Chris. I mean, as Liam's talking there, you sort of realise how many sort of mini dilemmas there are um, for Klopp to, to navigate. And also there's the question of, with no McAllister, is it worth using Trent as a number six like he did in the second half against Crystal Palace? Well, I think you're going to know my game plan within the first two players that I name. So, obviously, Alisson, goal. Joe Gomez, right back. Virgil van Dijk and Ibrahima Kanate at centre-back. With Costa Simicast left back, I would play Trent Alexander Arnold as the six, with Gravenberg and Sabozlai either side of him. The front three speaks for itself, as Liam said, with Salah, Nunez, and Diaz. Yeah, I think after um, last weekend against Palace, I would maybe have been inclined to make a change to the front three. But, you know, obviously Gakpo. Gakpo struggled, but so did everyone. So I don't know to what extent that should kind of influence the thinking uh, for this one. Um, I'd probably just about do Nunez and Diaz, but I, I don't think that it would be a bad thing if Gakpo got the start through the middle. I think the thing with, with Gakpo tonight, and I'll defend him on this, not that I'm taking any quality away from Kate Gordon and Ben Doak, but when you've got two teenagers either side of you mm-hmm. up against experienced defenders. I'm not sure how much was expected of Cody Gakpo tonight. Yeah. And also him and, Dun- him and Nunez are so different. And Nunez is likely to run in behind more. And look, if it is Johnny Evans lining up alongside Varane at the weekend, I think Nunez would give him so many problems. And I think that's what ultimately he'll tell. Yeah, Johnny Evans um, is either going to go off in the first five minutes with a hamstring injury, which he seems to do every single time, every single time he plays, or he's going to, I think, block about 13 shots or something like that. I think that's the kind of game we're probably in for. Um, just look, I'm just looking at the team from tonight. I mean, we can probably rule out Jones and Elliott from starting, considering that they played the full match. So it probably would be um, 
it would definitely be Sabasai and Graven Birch on that basis in the midfield. But I just wonder, I mean, interesting line on Graven Birch as well, obviously with being a former Ten Hag player, someone who was linked with United in the summer, whether he can kind of step up um, on that basis. I think I might, I don't know if it's the game to sort of start Trent in midfield, like whether it's the right time to experiment or not, but I'm very tempted by that um, in the knowledge that Gomez played so well at right back as well at the weekend. I'm torn on that one, but um, definitely Van Dijk and Canate. Um, and then obviously got Gomez would be at right back if I put Trent in the middle and then Simakas at left back. Um, and yeah, obviously a, a few absentees, you know, the likes of Robertson McAllister. It's not a full strength Liverpool, but hopefully they can get the job done um, against United. And whilst it, it will be hard to live up to last year's uh, performance in this fix, hopefully another memorable victory certainly but thanks very much everyone for joining us for this episode i think we did quite a good job of um getting something substantive out of it considering the game that we've just watched but if you have enjoyed it please do give us a five star rating and remember to follow the podcast press the notification button and also in the description of the episode you can find the podcast email address and also um all of our twitter usernames as well so you can give us a follow on there if you like but yeah thanks very much again joining us and we'll be back after that game against United at the weekend. But until then, take care.